0: Love, Social Convention, Gender Roles, and Religion. Charlotte Bronte's most famous novel challenges ideas on all these topics, and we are here to discuss it. I'm Charlene.
1: And I'm Mike.
0: And this is Jane Eyre Files. Chapter 18. She Could Not Charm Him. Hello, husband.
1: Hello, my much excited and curious miss.
0: <laughs> okay, didn't I, expect
1: that. I, I well, I had to scroll through the entire chapter. I don't know if you saw this or not, but Jane is not referred to by any term at the until the no. very end. When is it? sam is that the, the person's name that mm-hmm. escorts her in to go see the gypsy and he just mm-hmm. he, he just says miss right this way miss or something yeah so she's referred to twice as miss and that's it <laughs> so i was like i'm gonna put a little something together and she says she makes a comment about uh, being much excited curiosity
0: right okay so yeah i mean jane doesn't get a lot of, a lot of opportunities to talk to people because no one's really regarding her but she mm-hmm. is watching them very closely this
1: is true She's filling, filling in the reader, everything that's going on yes, in, this, we're, in this chapter, we're these elaborate scenes. Up. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, like I said, it's not a lot of Rochester-Jane interaction, unfortunately, but it's fine.
0: Yeah, well, uh, more to come. So let's get into the Spark Note summary for Chapter 18. The guests stay at Thornfield for several days. Rochester and Blanche compete as a team at charades. From watching their interaction, Jane believes that they will be married soon, though they do not seem to love one another. Blanche would be marrying Rochester for his wealth, and he for her beauty and her social position. One day, a strange man named Mr. Mason arrives at Thornfield. Jane dislikes him at once because of his vacant eyes and his slowness, but she learns from him that Rochester once lived in the West Indies, as he himself has done. One evening, a gypsy woman comes to Thornfield to tell the guests' fortunes. Blanche Ingram goes first, and when she returns from her talk with the gypsy woman, she looks keenly disappointed.
1: Yeah, they describe Mr. Mason as strange. I don't think he was strange. Yeah. It's very very innocent.
0: Yeah, it's just it's just Jane's seeming reaction to him and the way that she sees him, like the the way that the summary said he's slowness. It seems a little little mean. <laughs> I didn't
1: pick up on that. <laughs> not yeah.
0: not quite. I mean
1: it's a little peculiar that there's a party going on and, and everybody has come with part of the, part of Rochester's group mm-hmm. and all of a sudden this other guy just shows up. Yeah. Which is I mean, I guess you're gonna get callers at all the time, but it's like I would think that anybody else would would announce, you know, at least give Rochester a heads up because it's like, sure. hey, I got all these people over here right now. Yeah. You know, if you announce them, maybe they would say, he'd say, wait till later. So this guy seems to like the element of surprise.
0: That's very true. So let's get into the first part of this chapter where Jane basically analyzes interaction between Blanche and Rochester, which I find a very, very fun sort of way to get into Jane's head. As, and, and to see more about what's happening with Blanche and Rochester, and we, mm-hmm. we we do know that Blanche, you know, they're not in love.
1: Well, so we think. I don't know. Oh, we, we not, oh we're not. That we, was the Advocate over here. We're not privy to. We don't. We only see what Jane sees, right? Mm-hmm. So there could be more conversation. We don't know what happened in when Rochester went off, and to bring them back, they might have had some interactions wherever uh-huh. they were at there. But yeah, that's the one thing, and and I I I couldn't get past the fact that, for starters, the possessiveness that Jane showed in the previous chapter still remains. Yeah, you know. But even more so, this goes on for like two, <laughs> three, four pages of, of her. her breaking down yeah. the two of them and how you know she's not good enough for him, and he's he doesn't like this scene. You know, mm-hmm. she could not charm him, as mm-hmm. you said. Like it's it's. I don't know. It's it seems weird. It's like it's like she knows that there's this weird love triangle, and mm. she's trying to sort of justify in her mind why it should not be a triangle. Like, oh, you know. I, I
0: mean, yeah, I guess so that. I mean, that's a view, but I, I don't know. I, you see the way that Jane has broken it down. I just feel like, oh yeah, obviously she's seeing what every what everyone's kind of glossing over is that they're not. They don't need to be in love because they're such a perfect match in other ways of in their social circle that yeah. it doesn't matter. And
1: I'm sure, it's very common back then. Yeah, right. That's, that, that's
0: what I'm thinking too. They but the it.
1: idea, and again, I know that she's our heroine and she's our title figure, <laughs> and we love her. Yes. But at the same time, there's something I wouldn't say condescending, but it's an 18-year-old who thinks she knows more about love than this thirty nine thirty eight year old man and mm-hmm. Blanche is, what twenty five something like that yeah, I think so. something like that so it's like you know i mean it's good for her that if if she has this uh this idea but uh it's weird it's it's, it's just a little weird because it, it goes on for so long mm. if it had been brief where it was just like you know i don't think i don't think these two of them are be together, this is probably what she's doing, but then yeah. it's like it just keeps goes on for like another i was like okay as i'm yeah. reading it you're like then the next paragraph comes up and she's still talking about this <laughs> she's like obsessed with this
0: well it is yeah, that's true because you know charlotte bronte could have just said oh yeah jane thought that they weren't particularly suited but who knows and she could have moved on and just described more about what's happening instead mm-hmm. of breaking it down like she does so like what is the point of this section of the book where we get to see I feel like you get to see a lot of Jane's thoughts about what love is mm-hmm. like and what she thinks true love is because, you know, she's, she's looking at Jane, uh, she, Jane is looking at Blanche and Rochester and not seeing that. So, yeah. you know, I kind of took it as like, let me break down what is true love to Jane? Yeah. And,
1: and Charlotte does have her flowery prose. And I, I can appreciate elaborating on something rather than just dropping in a, and, and, like yeah. you said, dropping it and then letting it go. It would just, I feel like there was a middle ground somewhere. Not one paragraph, but not four pages. Like oh, I think okay. it could kind of, it could kind of be in the middle.
0: Oh, well, obviously Jane is obsessed too, and she's really has mm-hmm. nothing else to do but break
1: this down. But now, but I'm also, I'm also kind of curious about how did Jane form these ideas of what love should be? How much love has she seen in her in her in her lifetime? You know, Missus Reed was more or less a widow for entire, Jane's entire life, mm-hmm. right? And then she goes to Lowood, and there's, I mean, maybe Missus Miss Temple's gets married but we have we have no interactions with yeah, we miss Temple's fiance and whatnot but and I'm then, sure Jane
0: would have seen it
1: yeah, yeah yeah but again and I don't know how much how many couples she she was in she encountered at Lowood and then yeah. now that she's in Thornfield and Milcott like how many there aren't any couples in the house so it's it is like I said very curious is, is she forming this from books possibly is she, yeah where or is where, she
0: forming this from her falling in love and feeling like this is what love is.
1: Yeah, it's com- <laughs> it's it's coming out of out of thin air in in this sense. Like you shouldn't. It's it's one of those weird abstract terms, right? We talk about it. You don't. People always told me, you know, I won't. You won't know until it happens, mm-hmm. right? And that's what. And I and I mentioned to you, you're the first person I've ever fallen in love with, mm-hmm. and so. But and I knew when it happened. I right. knew the way I felt about you. It was not very different from the way Jane feels about Rochester, <laughs> uh, you know, and I was, you know, but, That's uh, so sweet. but, you know, but, but it's, 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 it is sort of, yeah, it's, it's. Well,
0: there you go. That's how Jane knows then. Since well, she's, since she's fallen in love with Rochester. But I had, I
1: saw my parents. I so saw you have movies. an example, you mean? I saw, you know, yeah. I got, I got to see friends and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, college classmates in the dorms that had girlfriends and you kind of got to see, I see, you know, I've been to weddings. Has Jane ever been to a wedding? I don't yeah, think she... she's
0: been to Miss Temple's wedding. <laughs> well,
1: was there a ceremony or was it yeah. just
0: they they took the day off or something as a okay. as a celebration?
1: I just picture from like I said, a lot of the adaptations really gloss over that. Oh, so no, it's I kinda hard to barely see it, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, again, I'm not trying to Is Devil's Advocate okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, I still believe in everything Jane does, but it's just it's it's just I don't know, where she comes up with it, I'm curious. Mm, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, like I said, I broke down in in my head what Jane thinks of as true love, and I like to make a few points that I I feel like is is the same prayer, just universally what what true love is, is. This this idea that love is not careless and choosing, rather to be sought than to seek. And you know, Jane doesn't seem like she believes in playing hard to get, even though maybe Rochester's playing some games here. Oh
1: yeah, he's enjoying it, <laughs> and, and and the funny part is, what it's working. Oh yeah, it's for you sure, know, it's working. He's playing yeah. hard to get, and she has fallen right into it. So you can't, I'm not. Can't knock I mean, the she hustle. probably
0: would have followed in in line with that, even if he wasn't playing hard to get.
1: Yeah, but again, you can't can't blame him.
0: Yeah, and then that in in love that there should be passion in the sentiments and attitude, which she doesn't see between Blanche and Rochester. So she already discounts them as a as a romantic couple because they don't want, seem to want to like touch each other, I guess. And
1: how long has she seen them? A couple uh... days. Two, three days. Yeah. But again, <laughs> a week J- at most, I don't know. Yeah. But again, as we've discussed on this show many, many times, Jane is known for passion. Jane is a very yeah. passionate figure. So I can I could I can see that for sure.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. And another point is how Jane mentions that Blanche has these calculated maneuvers or meretricious arts in how she speaks and interacts with Rochester, that she has all this pretense. And I feel that Jane is pointing out here that honesty is very important in how you show someone you love them and that you present your feelings honestly, which is interesting since Rochester might not be very honest right now.
1: Yeah, and then, I mean, I'm sure sometimes, as this happens in every relationship, you people sometimes will pretend to be someone they're not if they think it's going to attract the yeah the person and
0: then, what, hide a little bit of who you are until you know that they're interested and right. going to stay.
1: So I can't again. I, I I see nothing wrong with what Blanche is doing at the moment. I mean, I oh I nothing still, wrong. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> I shouldn't say. Okay, let me rephrase that. I I feel like she's still kind of playing the game as well, and she's yeah. still sort of feeling it out. Yeah, because you're right maybe there's not a lot of passion between them mm-hmm. you know and maybe but what was it like back then especially were you supposed to display that much passion especially if oh. you're in a group of people and he, and her mother is right there like i would <laughs> imagine he doesn't want to make a fool of himself or at least well, yeah, I'm, not sh- I'm not sure
0: what's socially acceptable in terms of pda i'm sure they're not they're not going to be making out in the corner or well, anything yeah but maybe I don't know, hand holding or just just long gazing in the eyes. Oh know,
1: that's true. <laughs> like he does with like he feels for Jane, right? Yeah. But he's stiff upper lip, man. He's a he's a he's a very proud and stoic guy. So hmm. yeah.
0: And just the way that Jane is analyzing Rochester here in, in his personality, I think that that's also a part of true love and the way she's just obsessed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's true love, okay.
0: Well, obsessed with getting to know him, I think. And yeah. and trying to figure out his character. And even though he has these faults, that she says, like sarcasm and harshness, that she really accepts that. And she feels like that's a great part of his character makes him more interesting to her.
1: Yeah. You know, nobody's perfect. Right. yeah and, then, and
0: you have to accept the, the bad parts in somebody so that if you can see it as not exactly a fault or yeah. something to look down on, then it's great because then you know that you can live with that person.:
1: Well, yeah, and I feel like no matter what happens in all relationships that have happened since the beginning of time, you, know, you have a list of you know if you're when you're single, you have a list of kind of things in your ideas in your mind that you look for right and the the, the thought that someone's going to have every single one of those boxes checked impossible. It's going to be really hard. If it does, you know, awesome for you, (laughs) you run with it. But at the same time, like that's probably why a lot of relationships work is that Mm -hmm. when those boxes aren't checked, you either realize that once I'm in the relationship with that person, they will, I will, they will eventually check the box. They will, if they're not interested in something that I like, they will become interested in it. Mm -hmm. Or you realize, oh no, it's best that we have that difference yeah, and that's sometimes what makes that's a good too. Yeah, like I, I feel like with you and I, it's probably more one side than, more one direction than the other where, and we, we don't have a whole, we didn't have that many shared interests. We had, we had a, a good solid handful of shared interests, mm-hmm. but I feel like the interests that you've had, I think I've taken, in, taken on more of your interests than you have of mine. Which that's is perfectly fine. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it can't. I can't expect you to like sports. or, or <laughs> That's
0: such a big interest or, of yours. <laughs> or old school,
1: school hip hop music, sure. Yeah. But I have found that I do enjoy <laughs> Doctor Who and a nice mm-hmm. cup of tea, you know, and stuff. <laughs> Things, musicals, I can appreciate musicals, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's kind of, like you said, what makes us different is what makes these relationships stronger. Yeah, that's and very I, true. And I wanted to bring up, it's a, it, I don't know where this saying comes from. Mm-hmm. But I've always kind of I've always heard people mention it, and it's it's so true. And I think maybe it might happen. I don't think it happened for us necessarily the same way, but I feel like it's happening with Jane and Rochester. And that is the expression that men fall in love with the women they're attracted to, whereas women become attracted to the men they fall in love with. Hmm. Yeah. You know? And whereas, like you said, Jane seems to be falling for him, even though she's not. She's like the attraction's going to come later. Yeah. And I think a lot of times men, unfortunately, we're we're Neanderthal caveman types where we see the physical first and -hmm. then the feelings will develop later. Whereas women are more passionate and they can find themselves drawn to the character and the personality traits fall in love with that person. And then not even, you know, obviously you want to have some attraction, but then you learn to to find them more attractive because of their character traits.
0: Yeah, I think, well, that's a very interesting point because I... I do feel that that's true in general in a lot of ways for men and women and how they approach, you know, who they find attractive. But mm-hmm. in Jane Eyre, I'm not sure. I feel that maybe it's because it's written by a woman where Mr. Rochester, I don't know how, how attractive physically he might have found Jane, like when he first saw her in the lane, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where it, it was more getting to know her that he found her more attractive.
1: Maybe. Yeah. and
0: And just different from the other women that he knew. Because but, he's been surrounded by a lot of beautiful women, and that's, that's and where the they saying, weren't probably matching mentally, you know that as 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 he had wished he would have wished
1: that's where the saying comes in is that this would be this is not Rochester's uh, relationship with Jane, it's his relationship with Blanche. And this is where I think Jane is judging their relationship based on the fact that she thinks that he's only interested in her because of how attractive he finds her Mm -hmm. and that you know like a lot of 19th century romances might have happened the woman is attracted to the person and the man is attracted to the visual right Mm -hmm. the visage so I don't know I mean it's just maybe maybe I pulled that out of nowhere but I think it really (laughs) does kind of apply and what you know what I found also pretty interesting about this whole section because again I got to reiterate goes on for pages where Jane is just spouting off all these ideas about love. Right, yeah. You talk a lot about foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. And that was the first thing that came to mind when I was reading Jane specifically in chapter 18 of this novel says, you know, if you're going to marry somebody, you better be in love with them. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're gonna, and she's checking off all these right. things off his list. And I could not help but think about Stingin. Oh. Where we're going to get a little <laughs> foreshadowing later in the book. Spoiler. Where Jane is going to be propositioned mm-hmm. for, by, with someone that she's not in love with yeah. as if she's supposed to just get married. And we've already established that. She's I not mi- going to do that. I yeah. missed this because when, I read, when, I, when you read it and you're like, okay, oh, I don't remember that. But now that I'm reading one chapter at a time and analyzing on this fine mm. podcast. Yeah,
0: I like that. I, I haven't thought of that before. You, yeah. really,
1: you haven't thought of that before? Oh, stop it. No, I You didn't. know this book front to back. <laughs>
0: just that connection i haven't made that connection before it just
1: seemed very obvious to me because she calls it out specifically in this chapter don't you should not marry somebody unless you're absolutely Mm -hmm. in love with them yeah and like it it goes on with the whole sinjin thing again we'll talk about that when the time comes we can refer (laughs) back to chapter 18
0: yeah perfect thank you for that i want to make a note of that despite all
1: intentions all the dictates of common sense i had learned to love mr rochester He would marry Blanche Ingram was certain, however. Though why was less so? For family, perhaps political reasons. But he had not given her his love. That I knew. So, how about this party?
0: You want to join this party? It's, it seems I like would? a good time. Jane is enjoying watching it.
1: This is 19th century entertainment, you know. <laughs> I think it would be it would be a lot of fun in a house that's so grand, you know.
0: Yeah, and you know, I feel it's fun to see how enthralled Jane seems to be with what's going on in front of her. It's like she's watching a TV show. She's analyzing their actions and listening to their conversations, but she's unobserved and ignored pretty much, as if she were she were watching them on TV.
1: And we've already said that, that you know they didn't have a lot of entertainment back then. Yeah, you just read books or you chat up with your friends, and this is like what like you said. There's no television. Yeah. So and since
0: Rochester is forcing her to come to these parties, and I guess all she, all she can do is just watch them. Yeah. And take in all the little dramas and perhaps marriage stories that are happening in front of her.
1: Well, it's funny you compare it to like reality television, and I think one of the reasons that a lot of americans watch reality television is that they feel better about themselves oh they yeah kind of look down on the people who were on television mm-hmm. acting like fools and i think in this in this case i jane do get is. that sense yeah, yeah. While jane
0: is talking about them that she's, she's a little s- uppity <laughs> she just she doesn't like their motivations i think
1: yeah. but the charades is is i found fascinating because it's it's very elaborate mm-hmm. i play we've all played charades in our life i've never had to done something like this where they go to the next room pull costumes out and all that you know although I did think when they had when they acted out the marriage I thought that was a little bit too on the nose
0: yeah
1: that's the very first thing they act out and you're like Jane's sitting right there and she's yeah. just spent four pages telling you how they don't belong together and the very first charade they do is Rochester and, and well Blanche if, if
0: Rochester is you know trying to play a game here and trying to make her jealous and he he was a part of this decision to to choose this word then I wonder if he did that on purpose that's... once
1: again. Can't knock the hustle. You can't, can't, can't knock the hustle. I mean, I must, he's hustling. <laughs> that must have torn it, Jane. You know, she's not going to tell you. She's not going to admit yeah. it, probably.
0: But, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And then after all of the charades, then a little bit of intrigue is introduced with uh, the arrival of a mysterious stranger and a mysterious gypsy. So two people.
1: I forgot. Mason shows up after the charades. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And again. And, like,
0: and Mr. Rochester is away, right? Yeah. So that, that's the point that he left. And then Mason arrives. So. Okay,
1: that's right. Yeah, because I like I said, I don't mysterious strange... Like it's, it's I have I, I really found it very subtle and innocuous. He, it's, this guy shows up. It's, not, it's I. It's, 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 I think he's, it's
0: more mysterious because why is he there? What's he doing right? there? He's yeah. not part of the party. But like you said, why? Why would he just randomly show up unannounced and unexpected in the nineteenth
1: century? Maybe you just you just <laughs> no <did>. cell phones, <laughs> yeah, you just it's, it's a you're traveling l- l- far and long, especially if yeah. you're coming from the West Indies, or your
0: letter got lost in the mail,
1: this is true, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the gypsy all the gypsy scenes were a little odd to me, but mm-hmm. I mean i g I know that's very common back then, how often gypsies traveled through these towns 'cause i mean I didn't even know yeah, they made it a point to before this to to tell you that like they had gone into town or something and they'd seen gypsy camps a gypsy camp yeah you know and then all of a sudden this gypsy turns up at the door that I think is more strange. forced yeah oh, that's more okay. strange than Mason showing up sure you
0: know, I, I could agree with that, especially
1: because it's just like it's totally out of the out of left field. You know, Mason showing up is just okay. There's another guy that's here. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden,
0: that can happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. It seemed like she just the 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 gypsy shows up, and then everyone's just like, "Oh, turn her away," and then, <laughs> "Oh, but she wants to tell the fortune." Okay, and it's like, "Oh, Jane is going to take a different the the Jane of the novel is now going to take a different <laughs> turn that we weren't expecting, but that's yeah, good, right? We have
0: a real witch now amongst them.
1: Yeah, but for some reason, Jane seems to. She's no no problem, right? She oh, wants yeah. to go she's see. she's not her.
0: afraid, which some of the other women there are it seems to be. But Jane, I, I find it fun that she she puts off the deference and the retiring nature that she seems to have as an employee, but because she has this curiosity about this gypsy and she really wants to go see her, so I feel like that's that's young Jane peeking through where you see the the young Jane who went up to Helen Burns to ask her what she was reading.
1: Yeah, Jane's always struck me as very inquisitive. Yeah. So this just fits right in with her character. And again, there's a there's a fly in the soup now, right? There's a you've got a new person in the room, so it's like, yeah, it's easy to just say forget her. But you're like, oh well, what? Yeah. Maybe it'd be a, a fun new experience, I guess. Yeah. Especially if you know that she tells fortunes. I would imagine that at that time we've already set, established there's not a lot of entertainment mm-hmm. in the 19th century. <laughs> Gypsy shows up, and wants to tell some fortunes.
0: Uh, here's some money. Let's yeah. do this. <laughs> Why not?
1: They've they clearly got the money.
0: Yeah. And then Jane goes to see the gypsy, and the chapter ends. Great cliffhanger.
1: Yeah, it's been a few chapters, right? We haven't really had so a cliffhanger. Had yeah. I, mean, I guess if you want to count the fire, which was, that was a, that was a cliffhanger yeah. ending the first volume going into the second, mm-hmm. right? So now we're getting, yeah, like a true cliffhanger. And, I, and now I'm just like, when's, when we, when we record the next episode? <laughs> we should have done this as a two-parter and dropped them back oh, to back. Oh,
0: okay. We can do that next time. Next time there's a, a great cliffhanger.
1: Uh, well, from an interesting context standpoint, like we always like to bring up mm-hmm. on these episodes uh, the viewer can 't see me but i 'm making a, <laughs> t- a film camera motion with my with my hands right. and i 'm t- telling Charlene three, three words three words starts like <laughs> sounds like parade <laughs> so charades where do charades come from how 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 common was this in the mid nineteenth century
0: so I did, I did a little bit of research, just curious about how the game of charades evolved, especially since the way that we know it is definitely not how th- it was played in this chapter of Jane Eyre. So uh, the game of charades became popular in France in the 18th century as a kind of literary word game or riddle where you describe syllables or parts of a word that when put together makes up the whole word. So it was like, a, like little books of charades of where you just read through and you kind of try to figure out what the word is they're trying to tell you. Hmm. And that was was very popular because there were some famous um, writers and poets who would would write in these charades. And then in the early 19th century, it transitioned to become something you would act out, which is like in Jane Eyre, the group had settled on acting out the word bridewell. So first they showed a scenario with a bride and then a biblically inspired scenario of of a well and then put it together with a scene set in bridewell prison.
1: I'm blown away. I had no idea what yeah. that second scene was.
0: The second scene? Oh, right. Because they don't say,
1: because I think, I, I, I had to go back and reread it. Mm-hmm. They don't say, well, they do not oh, yeah. guess they it. They just, it. They yeah. just say, uh, give us the third one. Yeah. <laughs> and, and because I'm like, that's because I didn't put it together. I thought it was kind of weird that they had the bride and then they did bride well. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that the second one was supposed to all form one big phrase.
0: Yeah. And I find it funny that, of that very complex scene of, of the bride and the wedding. Like, how do you know that bride is a word? What if it's groom or mm-hmm. wedding or church? or You're throwing
1: your life away? Yeah, like <laughs> they should have just put that in there. Don't do it. Is that one of the, uh, is that a phrase that they could put together?
0: Don't do it, uh, Blanche, and Rochester.
1: <laughs> or just in general, Yeah. That was...
0: So, but what is
1: Bridewell then? Because I, I, th- that phrase means nothing to me as well. I, yeah, I, didn't I feel like really when I... I
0: first read the book, I, I thought Bridewell was a, a, a prisoner, maybe like a someone that was famous for having done some crime or something. But
1: John Falcon, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but Bridewell was a royal palace built in around fifteen fifteen for Henry the Eighth, but it was located near Fleet River, which was basically a sewer, so it wasn't. They didn't really want to live there, so it was given to the city of London in 1553, where it became both a hospital for vagrants and homeless children and a place where petty criminals were incarcerated. Well,
1: A hospital and also a prison.
0: Yeah, and I thought, oh, I wonder if we could visit that now. Is it still around? But no, it was demolished in 1863, so Mm. a few years after Jane Eyre was written.
1: Okay, yeah. No, that's pretty interesting. I, I would have never guessed Especially, I mean, I, I give them credit for repurposing the building. Oh, you yeah. Know.
0: Let's put homeless people and criminals in here in this place we don't want to live in.
1: I want to believe that they, I hope, I want to believe that it was more of a hospital than a prison.
0: Oh. Maybe
1: maybe it was a minimum security prison for just <laughs> petty thefts and stuff. Not, yeah, not, not too bad. Not right? the worst right. of humanity. But uh,
0: But now now you know how to properly Play the game of charades.
1: Let's keep that in mind for the future. (laughs) Yeah,
0: everyone's going to be like, "I don't want to play. This is too hard. What are you doing? (laughs) I have to bring out costumes and
1: things." Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I got to put three phrases together and make them all mean one. uh, Yeah, Yeah. put two phrases and then make it add them together to make third phrase that joins them. Let's
0: just play a video game. (laughs) So now we come to the last part of our episode where we share our meaningful passage or quote and Mike. What is yours?
1: I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but Jane spends a lot of time analyzing Blanche and Rochester. I think mentioned it once or twice. Just kind of goes on for a while. Uh-huh. And we don't say judgmental. We say she's just analyzing. She's
0: thoughtful. Right?
1: She's thoughtful. Yeah. You know, And she's taking sort of an interest in it to see how it might differ from what she would provide Rochester mm-hmm. as well. And so amongst this three- to four-page diatribe, <laughs> That's where she's going off on what she thinks love should be Mm -hmm. um, and how Blanche doesn't seem to be embodying that for Rochester and how she would instead. Right. She comes to this passage, which I thought was particularly poignant, and it begins, quote, Because when she failed, I saw how she might have succeeded. Arrows that continually glanced off from Mr. Rochester's breast and fell harmless at his feet might, I knew, if shot by a sure hand, have quivered keen in his proud heart, have called love into his stern eye and softness into his sardonic face, or, better still, without weapons, a silent conquest might have been won.
0: Mm. I mean, yeah, you could say that Jane is thinking a little bit selfishly and how she is probably a better match for Rochester. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I say probably, but of course she is. Yeah, much better. (laughs) And yeah, and that, and the way that she describes it, it seems like pretty simple. Yeah, that that would be the way to go with Rochester instead of batting her eyes all this time and mm. <laughs> saying meaningless things, waiting for him
1: to come to her, and he's still trying to play hard to get. You know,
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's a hard, it's a difficult position for a governess.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. But that one, like I said, that that, that I took particular interest in because like i said this it goes on for a few pages mm-hmm. but that was drawn out that goes that goes more to charlotte in my opinion that's that yeah, goes that's back her... to that incredible prose that she right, was able to put together right. and i i like that particular passage
0: oh yeah that's a, be- that's a great passage
1: uh but what about you charlene what is your meaningful quote or passage from chapter 18
0: my passage comes uh, again from that part of the story where Jane is analyzing the relationship between Blanche and Rochester. It goes and... on for a while. It goes on for a while. <laughs> but there's a lot of great lines and, and a lot of like romantic lines in the way that she's feeling about Rochester. And there's a particular passage that I've always liked. Um, and it's a little bit long, so it gets difficult sometimes to chop up Charlotte's prose because mm. they do flow so well. And then sometimes she has really long sentences. So I'm just going to read this whole passage And it goes like this. And as for the vague something, was it a sinister or a sorrowful, a designing or a desponding expression, that opened upon a careful observer now and then, in his eye, and closed again before one could fathom the strange depth partially disclosed? That something which used to make me fear and shrink, as if I had been wandering amongst volcanic looking hills, and had suddenly felt the ground quiver and seen it gape. That something I at intervals beheld still, and with throbbing heart, but not with palsy nerves. Instead of wishing to shun, I longed only to dare to divine it. And I thought Miss Ingram happy because one day she might look into the abyss at her leisure, explore its secrets and analyze their nature. So,
1: I yeah. like that phrase as well. Yeah. I, I did remember that because and in a weird way, you know, we always talk about how the way, the way that scientific discovery works, I think, didn't they always say like George Washington never knew that dinosaurs existed?
0: Oh, Yes.
1: Right, because they weren't the fossils weren't discovered until later. When I was reading this, I was like, "How would Charlotte Bronte know about volcanoes?" But then I'm <laughs> thinking Vesuvius, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Maybe that would have been. Isn't that over in Italy? Yeah. So that would have that would have been close enough where the news would have yeah. traveled. Books but would ha- have
0: been written stories. I guess would have spread. I yeah. mean, I don't think there's any volcanoes in England. But... Yeah,
1: I was not expecting to, uh, the term "volcanic" to come up in Jane Eyre. As so I was re- even on the, in the second reading. Yeah.
0: Or even her for her to know what volcanic hills look like, like. Has she seen magma in her life, or seen a picture of it? I don't know. But anyways, yeah. But Back, no, to, that's... back to the romance of uh, Jane overanalyzing and obsessively thinking about Rochester. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the bubbling volcano inside of her heart.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I just like that Jade is really observing Rochester closely, and she's keen to know and understand him completely and with romances oftentimes i think it's a trope that you see women wanting to change men mm-hmm. right and in this case i feel that jane is not she's not she doesn't want to change rochester she just wants to know him and yeah. she wants to understand why he's a little bit moody sometimes or what what kind of dark and darkness and despair is in him like she's she's not thinking oh i can help make it better she just wants to understand it and to explore its secrets like she says
1: yeah and i wonder as far as like a traditional romance novel, you have your two protagonists and the woman is going to get to know the man by usually drawn out conversations. Mm-hmm. And so to me, this is... I, I, I like how she is learning so much about him by not talking to him. Right? Oh, yeah. We're getting looking couple, at There's a couple him. of chapters that have come through here, right? Where it's just yeah. like... Where she talked about it in the previous where she mentions like, oh, I could just... The way he looked at me in the hallway and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but now we're getting full on scenes where he is preoccupied with other people. Mm. Full on chapters, I should say, where he's preoccupied. He does not have the time. He can only come into the hallway real quick, and then, uh, and then well. when he has a chance to, to call to call her a cute pet name. He storms off. <laughs> right, so it's like she is picking up all this just as a distant observer, mm. and that's where maybe that, in a weird way, this love seems to be growing stronger. Even though yeah. it's not growing stronger just from talking to her, to, to him and interaction and finding out his interests, she's just observing him and seeing how he behaves around people. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was
0: well. She's also comparing it to how he behaved around her, which yeah. I guess that's the way that it fuels her her romantic thoughts of like, oh, well, he wasn't like that with me. He seemed much more comfortable with me and much more open than he is yeah. with Blanche.
1: Yeah, I think you could tell a lot about a person the way they behave with other people, right? Mm-hmm. I used to always joke about the fact that I don't know that I could have ever dated a woman that would have, you know, thrown a conniption at a restaurant, Oh. you know, or chewed out somebody or thought right. she was better than somebody, you know. Yeah. That's, so maybe that's that's what she's getting. She's seeing that some, that the Ingrams especially mm-hmm. and some of the other people at the party all have these really condescending views towards, like, governesses, governai, yeah. governi, governesses, <laughs> whereas she knows that Rochester's going to stick up for her mm-hmm. and he has that sort of quality. Even though she's, he, he may not be addressing her directly, she could just observe it and... And just swim. And she
0: just... <laughs> She's totally... Just like certain readers of this book. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we end, I'd like to shout out a new podcast that I think our listeners might enjoy. It's called Air Buds. E-Y-R-E. Play on Air Bud the movie, The I guess? fine
1: motion picture <laughs> about the golden retriever who joins a basketball team. Right. Yes.
0: yes. And so I've listened... They've had... They've dropped a few episodes and I've listened um, to these two friends, Piper and Lillian, as they watch and analyze the film and TV adaptations of Jane Eyre. And you know that I just love adaptations. I will Mm -hmm. always talk about them. And it's fun to hear their viewpoints because one of them is a fan of the 1983 adaptation and the other wasn't familiar with the story at first. So you get all of these different ideas about the adaptation that sometimes I haven't even thought of because I've, I don't know, I saw, saw it years ago and I've also read the book and... I already have these preconceived notions about what these scenes mean. So Mm -hmm. anyways, I thought it'd be fun to share with our listeners in case anyone is also interested in, in hearing these two friends talk about, um, these bonnet flicks and
1: uh is that what they're called bonnet flicks
0: <laughs> i think so yeah colloquially some people have called it bonnet flicks i think it's fun yeah because i think they're also going to review other period dramas and i think pride and prejudice is coming up next so i'm
1: going to yeah. challenge them right now if they're listening piper lillian mm-hmm. i would challenge you when you're done with the Eyre adaptations and any other bonnet flicks <laughs> that you want to do i think you should watch the films in the airbud franchise oh gosh <laughs> because I we, we I was actually talking about this with some coworkers today that were mm-hmm. referencing we talked they talked about I think we were talking about the podcast you and I do Jane and I mentioned oh there's this other podcast we were going to give a shout out to and my coworkers knew about the airbuds and air buddies and I guess oh, yeah. there's about a dozen movies, Snow Buddies, Space Buddies.
0: Dogs doing everything. That, no? Yeah,
1: yeah. They just continue <laughs> on. I have seen Air Bud. It is It is sublime. Oh, yeah, I like, have not seen that movie. It is like nothing you have ever seen before. <laughs> and I also wanted to point out when I first met Charlene and she expressed her love of Jane Eyre and she got to meet one of my good friends, Chad, actually the guy that I co-host my other podcast with, he once told her that... They should make a movie called Jane Eyre Bud. And I said that'd be a good idea because Jane Eyre was an orphan and Eyre Bud was a stray. So it, it works kind of perfectly. But anyway, Piper, I'll, Lillian, I'll... watch the, oh, no, I want to hear the review of the Eyre Bud movies.
0: Now, now that you mentioned that, I did want to say too that I think years ago, there was uh, someone I knew who drew a comic book called Air Jane with Jane Eyre as a basketball uh, playing governess. And that is, sounds awesome. Too. It was great. I, I'll post it on the Instagram. So anyone else who's interested might want to check it out. That's it for the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. This really helps us grow and reach new listeners. If you want to talk Jane Eyre with me online, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at airguide That's E-Y-R-E.
1: And if you want to hear more from me, I host my own podcast called Out of Touchstone where my good friend Chad and I discuss all the films that Disney produced for their Touchstone Pictures label. You can also find me on Twitter at Mike DeKalb.
0: Thank you, and farewell for the present.